We are in our um, first Sunday of Advent. The theme of Advent uh, first Sunday is hope, and so that's where we are today. That's what this candle represents. Last week, Rob Edens, our youth pastor here at Seven Hills, he's somewhere in the room, preached on Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. What we're doing this year for Advent is we're preaching through this, the Luke narrative of Christ's coming and birth. And so if you remember last week's passage of Scripture, the angel Gabriel visited Mary and told her that she would be the one to bear the Messiah. And needless to say, she was honored, but she also had some questions. Specifically, her question was, and I quote, how will this be since I am a virgin? That is a very legitimate question. And though she was troubled and fearful, in the end, Mary ultimately responded with surrender to God, saying, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What a great response by her, and uh, what a great reminder for how we should also respond to God. Uh, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. In the interaction with Mary, Gabriel offered a validation of his prophecy, specifically that her aging relative Elizabeth, who was also uh, nearby, was going to bear a child despite her advanced age. In today's passage, Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56, what we see is Mary doing what any of us would have done in her position, traveling to Judea to visit Elizabeth in an attempt to confirm the angel's prophecy. Trust, but verify. Let's take a moment and let's read Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Here's how Mary responds to Elizabeth's pronouncement. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed." For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Father, that you have um, condescended, that you've reached out to us, Father, that not only have you reached out to us through prophets, Father, but you have come to us through your son Jesus in the flesh, Father, that we might know who you are, that we might know our predicament, our situation, that we might be reminded that we do indeed need a Savior. And Father, I thank you that uh, all that is required for our salvation is that we would look to your Son, Jesus. It is in his name that we pray all these things today. Amen.
Now, some of you know the former First Lady Rosalind Carter passed away just over a week ago at the age of 96 years old. Now, over the next several days following her death, there were multiple services that were held in which Miss Carter was eulogized. Those various events were attended by her husband and former President Jimmy Carter, who is now 99 years old. He's in hospice care himself, but he attended. Those services were also attended by others who wanted to honor her memory. President Joe Biden and Jill Biden, former President Bill Clinton and Hillary, Laura Bush, Michelle Obama, Melania Trump, Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood, leaving them, don't want to leave them out. The list goes on and on. Rosalind Carter was actually a pretty remarkable woman, if you don't know much about her. The former first lady was the valedictorian of her high school, so she was sharp. She was a hard worker. She graduated from college four years later in 1946, a year in which only 77,000 females graduated with a bachelor's degree in the United States of America, so she was a bit of a trailblazer. She and Jimmy Carter married later that year. And over the following two decades, she raised four children. So if you look at her CV, there's a 20-year there's a period of time where she was clearly very, very busy raising those kids. She played a vital role in Jimmy Carter's election as governor of Georgia, and she played a vital role in his election as president of the United States. Throughout her life, she really did do many amazing things, again, not least of which is raising that family. She advocated for mental health. She worked with Habitat for Humanity. She also played an instrumental role in the formation of the Carter Center, which was opened in 1987. She founded the Rosalind Carter Institute for Caregivers, so she had a heart for people that cared for the sick and the aging. She and Jimmy Carter were married for 77 years. Rosalind Carter was a remarkable individual, and the various services held in her honor made that clear. Now, there are just sometimes in life where it's absolutely appropriate to make a big deal about someone. That was true for Rosalind Carter two weeks ago. It was true for Mother Teresa in 1997. Making a big deal of someone shouldn't just happen at their funeral, however. I would argue that we need to make a big deal of people when they're alive as well. That's what Mother's Day is for. That's what Father's Day is for. It's what birthday parties are for. It's even what Valentine's Day is for. Taking the opportunity to make a big deal of someone is even something that the Bible models, it exemplifies for us. God honored Job. He honored Elijah. And of course, he honored Jesus, of whom he said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus honored the faith of a Roman centurion. He honored the faith of a Canaanite woman who sought healing for her daughter. In Paul's letters, he frequently honored faithful Christians as well. The author of Hebrews even penned a chapter that theologians call the Hall of Faith, where the author there draws attention to faithful women and men of the Old Testament. We are called to honor the honorable. And of, co of course, most of all, we are called to honor God, to bring glory to Him, to praise Him, to exalt Him, to make His name great. In the words of Mary, to magnify him. This passage we read today is called the Magnificat. In her song, which we read moments ago, Mary gives a number of reasons to magnify God. She speaks of His strength. She speaks of His might. She speaks of God's holiness. She speaks of God's mercy, His justice, even His concern for the poor and the lowly. Today, instead of addressing each of those different reasons to magnify God's name, however, we're just going to focus on one very simple reason to magnify God's name, and that's this, that we should magnify the Lord because He cares for us. 
because he cares for us. Verses 46 and 47 say this, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Now as we read a moment ago, after Gabriel's announcement, Mary hurried to visit Elizabeth in order to verify what the angel had said. When Mary arrived, she discovered that Elizabeth was indeed pregnant, and in her excitement at Mary's news, Elizabeth explained, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So it would seem that Mary and Elizabeth both understood that the angel's prophecies had come true. Elizabeth was pregnant in her old age, and Mary would indeed give birth to the Messiah. We read of Mary's response, beginning in verse 46, where she proclaims, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now, many of you know this, some of you don't, but the Greek word which we translate as magnify or exalt, depending on the, the translation of the Bible you're reading, is megalune, megalune. That means to make large or to make conspicuous. The goal of megalune is to focus everyone's attention on one who deserves praise or honor. Let me give you a quick example. In 1998, the Dallas Mavericks, that's an NBA basketball team, the Dallas Mavericks selected a little-known power forward from Germany named Dirk Nowitzki. Nowitzki went on to earn 14 All-Star nominations, an NBA MVP award, and he also led the Dallas Mavericks to their only NBA championship in franchise history back in 2011. Nowitzki also ranked sixth in the NBA history for points scored. What made Nowitzki remarkable, however, was not only his performance on the court, but it was also his character off the court. We could tell any number of different things about him, but I thought there was one quote that summed up who he was a bit. When asked about her brother, uh, Nowitzki's older sister stated that he was unspoiled by money or fame and was someone who enjoyed reading and playing the saxophone. I just thought that was a great picture of this uh, seven-foot-tall power forward. When Nowitzki retired in 2019, he was playing his final game against the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Clippers in L.A., so at Los Angeles' home court, when the Clippers coach, Doc Rivers, called a timeout with nine seconds to go. The Clippers were up by a lot. They were up big. And so everyone wondered why in the world Rivers would call a timeout when the game was already in hand. And Doc Rivers called timeout. He then walked over to the scorer's table. He took the microphone, and he proceeded to draw everyone's attention to Nowitzki. As Rivers honored Dirk, the crowd in Los Angeles rose and gave Nowitzki a standing ovation while the German all-star was overcome with emotion. Megalune. Put all the focus there. Draw all the attention there. Mary's knee-jerk response to God's favor towards her is similar. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. But why exactly? She tells us, for he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. A little more Greek, if you don't mind. The phrase translated looked upon or regarded, again, depending on which version of Scripture you're looking at. But this, in, in the Greek, this is the word epiblepo. That word can be translated a number of different ways, but one of the ways it can be translated is to gaze upon, to gaze upon. So think about a mother watching a sleeping baby, or think about dropping your kindergartner off at school and looking in the rearview mirror just to make sure that she gets inside without any problems. Just let that look 
linger for a moment as you're in the car line. Or think about the first time your 16-year-old, after getting her license, pulls out of the driveway, and you watch her all the way down the driveway and down the street, and then if you're especially neurotic like me, you immediately get on Life 360. Not to be a creeper, but you watch to make sure they get where they're going, just to make sure everything's okay. And I think that's actually the idea here. Mary magnifies the Lord because He cares for her. Like a good father, He's been watching over her, and He's watching over us as well. That's a promise that God actually gives to all of His children. Listen to the words of Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. I really like verses 3 and 4 in particular. They say this again, He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And most of you know that three years ago I was diagnosed with colon cancer, and I had to have a section of my colon removed. I talked about this a few times in here already. And in the first days after the diagnosis, we didn't really know the severity of the disease, whether it had spread or not, what the treatment was going to be. We didn't know any of that. And so needless to say, in those first few weeks, I was flooded with emotions, and you can guess what those might have been. But I also had lots of questions. Will my kids be okay? How will Krista do without me? Do I really believe in this Christianity thing? And if things go badly, will I be able to show up well to my family, to the people of Seven Hills Fellowship? And of course, despite Matthew 6, Romans 8, and Psalm 23, there was still some anxiety, even though those passages all remind us of what's true. But at some point in those early days, um, my daughter May created a little painting with a Victor Hugo quote. I'm going to put it up on the screen here in just a minute. And I actually brought the, the painting with me. But it says this. You may not be able to read it, but if not, you can see the screen. But the quote from Victor Hugo is this. Have courage for the great sorrows of life and patience for the small ones. And when you have laboriously accomplished your daily task, go to sleep in peace. God is awake. It's a great quote by Victor Hugo. On the back side, she painted a, a visual representation of what that might look like. Um, obviously, this is a very an interesting picture, but clearly those things on the outside with the eyeballs connected maybe to colons. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Are attacking a sleeping individual, which is that sleeping individual is, seems to be surrounded by light. And so I think what she's doing there is she's representing on the one side what that quote promises to us. Let me read it one more time. Have courage for the great sorrows of life. My guess is that nobody in this room is free from those sorrows yet. And patience for the small ones, we know what those small sorrows are as well. And when you have laboriously accomplished your daily task, go to sleep in peace. God is awake. That's why Mary praises God here. That's why she magnifies his name. She exalts him is because she says he's watching over 
me. He's gazing upon me. How many of you in this room this morning need to be reminded today that God is watching over you, that He cares for you? For some of you, it's anxiety over the end of the semester. You've got papers, you've got tests. For some of you, it may be around politics and culture. For others, you're worried about children, you're worried about the state of your marriage. Maybe you're worried about bills and debt. Maybe like me, you're worried about your health. The story of Mary is a reminder that God is gazing upon you, watching over you. And if that's true, then you can, in the words of Victor Hugo, go to sleep in peace because God is awake. And for that, we can join with Mary in magnifying the Lord.